0: prayer. Lord, as we think about the truth of that song, we think about what the psalmist told us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you know our thoughts and you know the words that come out of our mouth before we even know. We thank you, Lord, that as you have made us, you have given us a certain number of days to live on this earth. And I thank you, Lord, that no one can take a second away from that. And we also, Lord, are well aware we can't add a second to it. It is what it is. Now, Lord, what we ask you to do is to fill us with your Spirit. We ask you to teach us your Word and give us the power and the grace to live for your glory and to take advantage of the days in which we live, the days you give us, Because it's no accident we're alive right now during these times. It's no accident that we are facing the challenges that we face. You intended for us to face them and to do it in your power according to your word so that your name is glorified in ways that it could never be glorified in any other setting and situation. So we receive these days, we receive these times and we thank you for our life And we thank you, Lord, that whether the times are good or whether they're challenging or whether they're just awful, we thank you that we have you walking with us through them and you already knew them before they even came and you were the one who was already our source of supply, our provision to make it through them. So we pray for sick people and we pray that they would be healed. We pray for grieving people and ask that they would be comforted. We pray for people who are in positions where they have to make decisions, whether it's the president or Congress or judges or governors or state legislatures or mayors or city councils or even, Lord, in individual families. May we all be filled with your will to know your will and to walk in your will and to walk in your way. And we give you this time and we give you our lives. And we pray, Lord, for people that are facing difficulties. I pray for Jim Rogers and pray that you would see him Through his surgery. And I pray Father that as we go through times like this. We not only would pray for ourselves. But pray for other people. And then Lord when you answer those prayers. May we rejoice in you. And never forget how faithful you are. And one day around the throne. We'll have an eternity to sing your praises. And to talk about how good you are. And we'll say one thing for sure. He doeth all things Well, So thank you for that and give us that hope now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And if you would, take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus. And uh, we are in the 12th chapter now. We're moving right along. And uh, we're at the beginning of the last plague. And this is very, very important to see this because as they get to this point... There's a ritual that's involved in all of this that Jewish people are still observing today. And in uh, a sense, we observe it every time we uh, take the Lord's Supper. We do it in remembrance of Christ who is, as John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so as we uh, read this and think about this... We want to put ourselves in the situation of these slaves in Egypt. And they've been slaves for multi generations, 400 years. And now the time of freedom is about to come. Now, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I have situations I want out of so badly, and I just can't wait till the day comes. And then the day comes. And then everything kind of changes. It's kind of like being on a teeter-totter, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, the uh, you want off of the thing and, uh, you know, sometimes it falls and it hurts and it's... Uh Not a good thing, not an easy thing to do. Well, can you imagine? These people have wanted to be free from Pharaoh's oppression for all of these centuries. It's something that their great-grandparents and their grandparents and their parents talked about, and they talked about it. Someday, someday maybe we'll be free. Someday we'll be liberated. And now the day has come. But have you ever thought about what it means to be liberated? It means to have responsibility. It means that when you leave Egypt, everything familiar is going to be gone. Even the things that you hated, at least they were familiar. And when you go out into the wilderness, where are you going? How are you going to get where you're supposed to be? Can Moses really be trusted? Does he know what he is doing? And I guess it really boils down to this. Can we trust the God who made a covenant with our ancestor Abraham to fulfill all of these hundreds of years later what he said he was going to do? And so this is a matter of faith. And so God is so good and so kind as to take his people and to show them some things. Remember the first three plagues, Israel, uh, the slaves, they participated in those plagues and it wasn't pleasant. Then after that, God said, I'm going to make a distinction between the Egyptians, Pharaoh's people, and my people, Israel. And so they watched and can you imagine as the Israelites would watch as their Egyptian oppressors suffered through all of the other plagues that were there. And they wondered about it and they were in awe of it. And it was Yahweh telling them, I am the true and the living God. You can trust me and I am more powerful than Pharaoh and all the other gods of Egypt. But now we come to this 10th plague and Israel is going to participate in this in a way that maybe you uh, haven't really thought of before let's read about it in Exodus chapter 12 we'll read 13 verses beginning in verse 1 and it says now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month "...shall be your beginning of months." The Hebrew calendar calls it Nisan, N-I-S-A-N. And this resets the calendar. "...it shall be the first month of the year to you." Now speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, "...on the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household." And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him, uh, to his house, take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your uh, count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, in other words, a young lamb, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. There was a possibility that maybe the flock was too small... ...and there was not an unblemished lamb... ...so they could take a goat. God made provision for them either way... ...so everyone could participate. Verse 6. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel... ...shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood... "...and put it on the two doorposts," side to side, right? "...and also on the lintel that's the upper part of the houses where they eat it. "...then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water." but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and entrails. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it, or maybe we'd understand what would remain until the next morning, you shall burn with fire. Consume all of it, in other words. And thus you shall eat with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, And your staff in your hand. Because i got to be ready to go. And ready to go quickly. And so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. There's not a lot of them. There's not a choice. I'm the only one, in other words. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Somebody say amen to that. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So let's think about, in that passage of Scripture, let's think about some words that kind of help us understand and, and to uh, participate in this and to rejoice in it even. And I want you to think about the word judgment. And then I want you to think about the word instruction. And I want you to think about the word substitute. And I want you to think about the word sacrifice. And we're going to talk about those as we go through this. Now, first of all, I want you to think about judgment. The title of this is Wonderful Words of Life. How in the world could that be a wonderful word? Well, the truth of the matter is knowing of the Lord's judgment. If God reveals that to you, that is a wonderful thing. For example, I was saved in 1982. And the only way that I ever came to know Christ and to trust Christ as my Savior and the payment for my sin is I first had to understand that I was a sinner under the judgment of God. heard a preacher say one time, you really can't get anybody saved until you get them lost. You really can't get them to see their need for Christ until you get them to see their helplessness and hopelessness being under the judgment of God, and spending an eternity in hell. Now once you get that, it's kind of a a, a given then that you're going to look around for something that is going to get you out of it if you ever really feel the weight of that. And one of the things that I know, having made some decisions and things like that when I was a child, the difference when I was 22 is that at that point I was Really aware of my sin. I started to say fully aware. I don't know that I've ever been fully aware of my sin. I don't know that any of us really get the full impact of what it is. Somebody said one time uh, that he could turn every Christian into into a flaming evangelist if they could spend just five seconds in hell. Well, I don't even get that much, and neither do you if you've trusted Christ. And so I don't think we really get the whole picture, but I sure felt the weight of it when I was 22. And I understood that I was a sinner, and by that, it meant that I kind of got it that I was not just a flawed person. Somebody said one time that being a sinner means we have to have an eraser on the end of our pencil. Well, it's a whole lot more than that. It's not just that I make mistakes. It's not just that I don't always get it right. It's not just that I'm imperfect. It's not just that I'm flawed. That's true of all of us. The truth of the matter is I understood for the first time that I was under the judgment of God and until something was done for me I would remain under that and that is a horrible place to be the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God and you don't want justice when you stand before God because that would send you to hell. You're a sinner deserving of that. But you do want mercy and you do want grace. And thank the Lord, that's what he provides. But only to those who understand the consequences of being under the judgment of God. In the, chapter, the previous chapter, chapter 11, in verse 6... And then it also is uh, in several other verses and in some of the ones we read. Did you notice that God did not say, now pay attention to this because most people miss this. He did not say, I am judging the Egyptians. He did not say the firstborn of the Egyptians will die. He didn't say that. He said he was going to execute his judgment, this last plague, and kill the firstborn of all who were In the land of Egypt. And you know what that means? The Israeli slaves, where were they? He said, well, they were in the land of Goshen, which was in the land of Egypt. You see, if this was just a racial thing, and God was just simply saying, I'm so angry at the Egyptians, I'm going to put this plague and this judgment on them, Israel wouldn't need the Passover. The reason that Israel needed the Passover is because when the death angel came, he was going to every house, to every family, Jew and Gentile, Israeli and Egyptian, because they were all under the judgment of God. Now, you might look at that and say, wait a minute. The Israelis were the oppressed. The Israelis, I mean, they didn't enslave the Egyptians. What do you mean they were the same? Well, the Bible tells us that the soul that sins shall die. And then the scripture tells us in Romans 3, that all, A-L-L, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what we see in this is that Israel's sins may have been different sins, but they were sins nonetheless. Let that sink in. And when we look around at the world today, we didn't come here today at Graceway Baptist Church or any true church, for that matter, to come and to proclaim our own goodness or to come and commend ourselves to God. Look what we did this week. We're your perfect people. Surely you will bless us. We come here today... Because we understand that we too were under the judgment of God. That all the world is under the judgment of God. And that when we are born, we are born with a sin nature. And then we rebel against God and express that. And even though our sins may be different than someone else's sins. Like the Jews' sins were different than the Egyptian sins. The problem is, it's all sin. And the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I want you to think about that word judgment, and I want you to think about the fact that the Israelis were in the same situation as the Egyptians because of their own personal sins, and because of that, if they did not have this Passover feast and this Passover lamb's blood sprinkled on their doors... The same thing would have happened to them that happened to the Egyptians. They were under the same judgment just as we were before we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and before he saved us. So race, nationality, ethnicity... Or oppression or any of that has nothing to do with it. It's the idea of sin. You've got to be forgiven of sin. Ezekiel 8, 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul who sins shall die. I kind of have a question. How many sinners are in the building this morning? Say amen. The penalty of death was upon you just as it is upon anybody else who is out there. And only when that is removed do you have the freedom to live in Christ and to go to heaven. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Secondly, I want you to think about instruction. Israel is told exactly what to do. Now, if things had been kind of the way we think today, God would have said, do your best. Find a way, improve yourself, stop doing what you have been doing and and do better from this point on and everything will be okay. Or maybe in the world we live in, he might have said, just find what works for you. You ever heard anybody say that? Find your truth. Find something that makes you feel better. And then we would be in this constant search for something that's going to work. Well, that's kind of what the world is doing. And if you ever noticed, if you've lived long enough, you probably have, what works really well then is the answer in one decade changes with the next. And changes with the next. And if you live long enough, you've seen celebrities and gurus and experts and teachers and professors and psychologists and even religious people. They all have the key. This is it. This is the way that works. Oh, I finally found the secret. Oh, I'm so free. I'm so liberated. Oh, my life has changed. Until next year until the next decade, until something else comes along, until the circumstances change, until tragedy hits. I mean, there are some things that work as long as they work, and they're good as long as things are good. But in this fallen world in which we live, things don't always work all the time. They get old, they get stale, they wear out. We get exposed for who we really are. Things change, economies change. Life changes, families change, death happens, all of these kind of things, wars and all of it. And all of a sudden, we've got to go and find, for, find something else. Now, I want you to think with me that the Egyptians had a lot of gods. And it's not like God says, find one that works for you. Find the best God of the Egyptians. God is saying, no, this is completely different. There's only one way you're going to be spared of judgment. This is a very exclusive way. And you don't, as we saw in point one, you don't get excluded from this because you're a Jew. has nothing to do with it here. You get excluded from it only as you follow my instructions. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And just in case you missed it, he adds to it, And no one, no one, not even you, not even you at your best, not even a guru, not even a political leader, not even somebody who dies in battle, not even someone who is a charitable person. No no, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's that exclusivity. Now, the world doesn't like that. And they will fuss against that. They will rail against that. And they will even persecute you for that. But it's always been that way. God has one way, and he says, here's the way, and he makes it very clear. And so God told them, here's what you were to do. You're to take a lamb. It's got to be a lamb that's a year old or less. It's got to be a male. It's got to be unblemished. And then you've got to take it and you kill it at a certain time. And then you roast it a certain way and have a feast a certain way. You put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel a certain way. This is the way God says to do it. Now, if somebody came along and said, I'll do half of it. Or I'll do three-fourths of it. Or I'll do seven-eighths of it. You know what would have happened? The death angel would have come and the same plague that hit Pharaoh would have hit them. This has to be done God's way. There's instruction here that is given. And it's the instruction not just of Moses. It is the instruction of God. The Egyptians kind of thought because of all of our gods, surely whatever comes our way, one of these gods will be able to protect us. Boy, the Lord is going to show them, I am the Lord. It's not any of your other gods. It's me. So Israel doesn't have any other options or other choices. Deuteronomy chapter 5:33 says, "You shall walk all in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live." Walk in the way the Lord has commanded you that you may live. And this is the way of life. This Passover lamb is a picture of the redemption of God. And there's no other way. There's no other alternative. There's no adaption to this. This is not a do whatever feels good or works for you. This is the way. The way. It's exclusive. Number three. I want you to think about the word substitute. Substitute. The word substitute, uh, somebody is going to die in every household in the land of Egypt. Someone is going to die. Now here is the sad news. In the Egyptians' case, trusting in their gods, going on their way, someone's going to die in their family, and it must have been a very sad and terrifying, horrible night whenever this happened. But also, somebody died in every Israeli household too. Wasn't a person, it was a lamb. And it's as if God is saying the judgment for sin that comes on everybody, Jew and Gentile, over the land of Egypt. Either your firstborn is going to die or a lamb's going to die. There's going to be a substitute that is going to die in your place. You see, when God executed his judgment, the lamb suffered the judgment of God, just like the firstborn of Egypt would do it. It's just that God said, here's something, and you do this, and something will die in the place of your firstborn. This is the mercy, and this is the grace of God. All throughout the Bible, you'll find that this idea of a substitute is... uh, Uh, pictured in the scripture Adam and Eve sinned they covered themselves in fig leaves and then they hid themselves from God and when God came and sought them and found them what is the thing that happened They confessed their sin and God killed an innocent animal as a substitute instead of killing them. And the animal skins covered them and uh, they went on. The sacrificial system, it was all a picture this lamb, this animal that is going to be sacrificed this blood that is going to be shed is a picture of the one who is going to come one day and die for your sins and completely pay for them the sacrifice won't have to be offered Year after year and time after time, it'll be a once for all sacrifice, and that, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in case some of you might think, well, that's a New Testament Christian imposition on the Old Testament sacrifice, let me just read you out of Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Hundreds of years before Jesus, this is what Jews wrote, a Jewish prophet wrote, And see if it doesn't make sense. It's the same thing. The idea of a sacrifice. I mean a substitute. Dying for. uh, the Innocent dying for the guilty. Is what I'm trying to say. Listen to this. Let it feed your soul. Surely our griefs he himself bore. And our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken. Smitten of God and afflicted. But. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all... To fall on him. And that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins will either be on you for an eternity in hell. Or they're on Christ. And they're put away and cast as far as the east is from the west. And you are forgiven. And you can enter into a right relationship with God. But you have to have a substitute. You cannot bear it yourself. And Jesus is the substitute. Am I right about that? He's the substitute. And that brings us to the fourth thing to think about, and that is the idea of sacrifice. This lamb is going to be sacrificed for the sake of the Israelite slaves, right? And whenever you think about that lamb as it was killed, does that lamb have any power in and of itself to save anybody? No. This is a work of God, and the Lamb was merely a representation of the true Lamb of God that would come someday in the form of Jesus Christ. That's why John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I want you to think about two words, propitiation and also the word application. Propitiation. What does that mean? It means that the sacrifice would take away the wrath of God for sin. God had every right to be as angry at the Israeli slaves as he did about their Egyptian oppressors. But it was the sacrifice of the lamb that caused God to pass over the Israeli households. That, by the way, is where the name Passover comes from. He passed over. And he said this, When I see the blood I will pass over you. It wasn't enough just to kill a lamb. It wasn't enough just to have the ritual of the feast. They had to go out and actually apply the blood of the unblemished lamb on the top part of the door and on two sides. And somebody has said, isn't it interesting that that forms a cross? It's a picture of what Jesus is going to do on the cross a long time after this event. But what had to happen? They had to not only offer the sacrifice, but the blood of the sacrifice had to be applied to them. Let me tell you something. In 1982, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, I didn't just pray a little ritual prayer. I didn't just do a little thing that somebody told me about. I was under the weight of sin. I understood the judgment of God that if I died, I would spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell and later the lake of fire where I would live for eternity under the judgment of God. I also understood that God had given me instruction. There were commands that were given to me. It wasn't just find your own way and do better. This was an instruction to repent of my sins, turn from them, and to put my trust in the finished work of Christ. He died on the cross, and He alone paid for my sins. I understood that Jesus became my substitute, that God the Father punished His own Son on my behalf. Jesus is my substitute. And by trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, I understood that my sins were washed away so that God the Father could look upon me in favor instead of in judgment. He could look upon me with love and mercy and grace instead of with the wrath that I deserved. And why did that happen? Because God the Holy Spirit somehow Took the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and applied it to the door of my heart. So that whenever God looks at me, he sees the blood of the lamb, his son, sacrificed for me. And he doesn't see my sin and his wrath passes over me. But even more than that, his love, mercy, grace, and fellowship come into me. And I am in him and he is in me it's a wonderful and amazing thing because what we see in Passover folks don't miss it it's our story we were sinners under judgment there is only one way to salvation and that had to be revealed to us through the word that Jesus Christ died and the penalty that we deserved was placed on him on the cross and he bore it fully And when we trust in His sacrifice alone, then sin's debt is paid, God's justice is satisfied, and the blood is applied to us, and we are passed over because the death sentence was paid for by Jesus, and His righteousness is placed on our account. If you don't understand that, then nothing else really matters. If you don't get that, Nothing else really matters. I want to show you a short video of uh, John MacArthur explaining the gospel. It will only take about a minute and a half in here, but it is so very clear. Pay attention to this, and then we'll be finished. What he is saying is, Paul wrote that he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. What was he saying? Jesus, did he ever sin? No, never. He was the sinless son of God as he was hanging on the cross. But God the Father, instead of applying your sin to you, he put your sin On Jesus Christ, and Jesus bore your sin and paid the sin debt in full for you, and then gives you righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in its place. And what he says in there that is so fantastic, he said, Let's put it in a real practical way God the Father looked upon Jesus Christ as if he had lived my life and treated him accordingly. And when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, repent of my sins, believe what He did on the cross, paid for my sins, and surrender to Him as Lord, what is amazing is when God looks at me, the sinner, He sees the cross of Jesus Christ. And my sin is paid for, and I have the favor and the blessing of God. And how long does that last? It's for all eternity. It lasts as long as Jesus lives. It lasts as long as Jesus has nails in his hands and in his feet. It lasts as long as the kingdom of God lasts. Because this is not my work. This is not your work. This is not the work of the church. This is the work of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. Because when we summarize everything, you know what we say? Jesus is our Passover Lamb, Somebody say amen to that. Now, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to ask you to think about that. I want to ask you to think about where you would be if you stood on your own. Are you willing and ready and prepared to stand before the Lord and make excuses for your sin? Are you ready to stand before Him as in His court, Your sin and your life, everything is brought up. Everything you think, every motive that you had, everything that you did and everything that you didn't do but should have done is brought up. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to try to speak and the law of God is going to shut your mouth. Because there's no evidence that the judge doesn't have. There's no information that the judge doesn't have. There will be no False convictions when you stand before the Lord. You will stand before Him and you will stand without defense. And you will stand guilty as charged. That's a terrifying thing. But when you realize how God loved you enough to send His Son. To die on the cross. To take the penalty you deserved. And when you trust in Him, you stand before God just as welcome and just as loved As Jesus Christ himself. Because you are in him and he is in you. Will you turn from your sin today? Maybe you're watching by live stream. Maybe you're here today and you realize I'm a sinner and I need Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord. Ask Him to save you. Tell Him that you know that you're a sinner and that you're trusting in His death, burial, and resurrection as the full payment for your sin. And tell Him you surrender to Him as Lord. And the Bible gives a promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you've done that, rejoice in it. And remember you are secure every day and for eternity. If you haven't, then I pray that you would today. Would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we bow before you because we simply want to say thank you for what you have done for us. And we don't fully understand it and we don't always appreciate it as we should, but there's a lot of us who have trusted in you and you have saved us and we thank you for that. We also want to pray for people like the person that Chip is going to be talking to today. Asking, Lord, that they might be saved. And asking, Father, that anyone in here that has never trusted you might be saved. Anyone on live stream, we pray that as the gospel goes forth, they might might turn to you in repentance and faith and receive the free gift of salvation. And thank you so much for providing that for us. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Thank you so much that that frees us from the judgment of God. Thank you for giving us the instruction so that we know what the way of salvation is. Thank you that Jesus is our substitute so that we don't have to bear the wrath of God. And thank you that the sacrifice applies that to our very life and soul. And to that end we say hallelujah. Amen, and thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much.